freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to another episode of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. I kind of like it when I call it an episode, right? I could call it an addition, right? Okay. <laughs> Dan's a little under the weather today, so I got to try to pump him up here a little bit. Uh, we are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Did somebody say guns? Somebody said oh, guns. Wow. Now okay, he's I'm ready to go. Up. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> I didn't realize. I, that's all I had to say. And I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm Dan Todd. And I am a little afraid of this episode because the <laughs> theme of our show, I'm sure Cheryl's going to tell me, is guns and candy. Guns and candy. Actually, it what made it come to my mind is there was a song, what was it, from the early 90s called Sex and Candy? And it just kept playing through my head. I'm like, well, all right, I'm just going to, that'll be the theme for today. And the reason for the theme, other than the song that won't get out of my brain I think now, the reason is because you've been in my safe and you know on one side of the safe I have <laughs> guns and ammo and the other side I have candy. <laughs> you, you might actually, I should go check that. Anyway, we clearly, we clearly need something. To, to lighten things and to soothe our souls after this past couple of weeks of terrible news of the officers in Dallas being shot and then the opportunistic anti-gun rhetoric in the media and from the politicians. And while we will talk about important things today, we will end our show with a treat. We have a local <gasps> Phoenix chocolatier who makes edible art. Thus guns and candy that's some good candy too it is it's amazing well we got our show today we have uh, joshua hosinic he's a former marine intelligence analyst josh has been in the private security field since 2000 and specializes in healthcare security and security training currently josh is a director of personnel director and personnel training for lionheart security service and he um he does a great job with that we've actually used him ourselves we have then we have robin Morris. he's a host of self-defense gun stories podcast and he just recently took part in an amazing training program that we'll be talking about called faster saves lives right and then our second hour we have Dr. Kelly Ward. She's a former Arizona State Senator, Kelly Ward, and is currently running for U.S. Senate seat against incumbent John McCain. And then, who comes up after her? Laura Smith, the Vice President of the California Chapter of Liberal Gun Club, a national organization which seeks to ensure an educated liberal voice in debates on gun controls and the Second Amendment. And she's a Democrat. She is a liberal Democrat who loves guns, who loves guns and loves her gun rights. And she went uh, to Washington, D.C. with us and was part of the D.C. project, which we'll be talking a about a little bit uh, later as well. And then last but not least, the sweet guy, Jason <laughs> Wasser. He's a national. He's an Army National Guardsman and owner of Show Cool. Oh, you know what? Help me with this one. Cheryl. Show Cool Laudel. 
Okay. Yeah. Chocolatel, or more simply, XO Confections. He's going to be helping with the after hours event that brings two West Valley Chambers of Commerce together at our gun shop and auction house this yeah. next Thursday the 21st July 21st and of course we do go out uh, nationwide here um, and so the good news is is that uh, Jason can ship his chocolates uh, but the bad news is unless you're local you don't get to come and sample them at our after hours but if you are local you know come out and see us I'm offering a special deal for all of our guests today What's okay. that? Anybody that can't make it to the chocolate thing, I will personally sample one for you. <laughs> nice. Oh, my goodness. That's, you know what? That's brilliant. I should have thought of that myself. Dang it. And, we, of course, we end our show every week with our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Tip of the Week. Oh, no. Not again. Uh, <laughs> just just like clockwork, babe. Every time. So but You know, it's been a really weird and busy week for us we just got back from dc mm-hmm. and what some amazing things happened there there was this girl that i know that did some kind of speaking on the capitol lawn um what was that about gee i wonder who that might have been perhaps me that was such an awesome opportunity um, the DC project, you've heard us talk about it on the show a few times. It uh, is a project that brings together 50 women, one from each state, to our nation's capital to establish relationships with our legislators and reveal the true faces and stories of firearms owners and people who support the Second Amendment. So often we we get a mental picture of, well, who is, who is you know, a, a Second Amendment person or a gun owner? And they, that vision rarely looks like all of the ladies that met with us in D.C. And uh, we wanted to sit down and talk with our legislators. And we had an amazing time. We uh, talked with, um, of course, our own Senator Flake. And, you know, he's pro-Second Amendment. And so we get to be treated like adults here in Arizona. And so that was more of a just letting him know what we're doing, what we're involved in. And one of the women got to talk to Nancy Pelosi. Is that correct? Uh, who was it? It was Barbara Boxer and it was um, Feinstein, Diane Feinstein. Oh. That, that was Laura, who's going to be our guest later today. So we did talk to uh, legislators who do sit in the very firmly in the anti-gun anti-second amendment camp and it was it was an amazing experience and then we capped the week off with a rally on the west lawn of the capitol building and i was invited to be one of the speakers we had eight amazing uh women speakers uh such a diverse group speaking from all different uh backgrounds and um of course what i brought to the rally what i spoke on is what we always speak on and that is legacy you know i always say that we have a vested interest in protecting our second amendment rights because of course we own a gun store az firearms and because we have this radio show called gun freedom radio but for you and i dan it's it really is about what we can do within our lifetime to protect and preserve uh, the rights that we enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy for the next generation, for our daughter's generation, and then the one after that, our granddaughter, who's just now two. Um, she's got a long road ahead of her, and if the, if the anti-group and all of their rhetoric that 
is just not based in fact. It's based in emotion. If somebody isn't there to counter that, like we are trying to be, then by the time our granddaughter is, is even our daughter's age, she's going to be living in a much different world, and we believe a, a much less safe world. So. Right. God was really with us on that uh, trip, too, because just before the rally started, it was unbearable hot, humid, and then the clouds came in, and all during the rally, it was perfect. Then right after the rally start, uh, stopped, I mean, immediately after, it rained really hard. So it was perfect timing. It was. It was amazing. And uh, we had a small turnout. You know, I'm not going to try to over overblow how many people were there. And a lot of times I think uh, politicians and people who hold rallies try to, you know, overstate how many people showed up. We had a very small crowd. But that's okay because only eight months ago was when the D.C. project even became a thought in Diana Muller's mind, the founder. And so in eight months' time, we've been able to uh, visit D.C. twice as the D.C. Project. We've been able to bring 50 women, one from each state, together and to formally organize our very first rally on the lawn of the Capitol building. I think that's a huge accomplishment. And um, it was interesting because the, the people right in front of us in the rally were, were fairly small, but we could see around the, the perimeter people that, like, they were interested, they wanted to listen, but they weren't quite sure, am I allowed to come join? We had, uh, I, I was very pleased and very proud of how many people came and, and of all of our speakers. You're underestimating it. There was a lot of people there, and you know that because there was one guy that was trying to uh, overthrow the conversation. Oh, yeah. We're and official. And so when you have that. Because we had a heckler. Right. I yeah. forgot about that. We, we had a heckler, so it, it was officially a rally. You know. We've arrived. You got a, when, when you're at a gun debate like that and you've got a heckler and then you have four guys surround him, he, <laughs> he, he, he quietened really quick and uh, went away. You know, and he was welcome to stay, but, you know, just get your own rally. Don't, right. don't try to overshout our rally. But anyway, it was very peaceful. It was very, uh, it was a great event. Now, why are we sitting in the studio today, which is Thursday, July 14th, pre-recording this show, Dan? Because we are at Westworld for the Get Outdoors Expo. Absolutely. Where we're going to be talking about what? Guns. Guns. <laughs> which, oddly enough, for a, an outdoor show, they don't allow any firearms in the building yeah, um, that's that's kind of that was hard for us to set up we're going to set up a table mm. but it'll be an information table but i'm also going to be moderating three different panels and so that is this saturday at westworld of scottsdale which is 94th street and east bell road uh, in scottsdale arizona and uh, we're going to be talking to a group about women and guns and then a separate panel is the five best protection guns or most popular self-protection guns when you are in the outdoors. And then we're going to wrap it up with another panel on how to protect your rights. And I know that the president of the AZCDL, Dave Kopp, is for sure going to be there. And uh, they've got so much news to catch us up on uh, what's happened this past year and what we anticipate Um as the election comes comes our way you know and talking about what to carry when you're outdoors you know that's we cover all the states and countries and 
you know, each each place is different. Mm-hmm. So we probably should do a, a conversation on that, too. I mean, we don't have to worry about grizzly bears in Arizona, but they mm-hmm. do in Alaska. And mm-hmm. so it would be a, it's a good topic. It's an interesting topic. Very, very cool. Well, I know our, our next guest is definitely going to dive into uh, what happened in Dallas, and we'll be talking about that. But we would be remiss if we didn't take a moment and just say that our hearts and our minds and our prayers go out to all of the uh, friends and family and the communities that were affected by the horrible murders of those five police officers in Dallas, and to also the, the brothers and sisters in blue. It has got to affect everyone who wears a uniform in in a way that we can't even understand. Uh, Dan and I have not uh, served. We are not in law enforcement, but we have many, many friends and customers, of course, who are uh, veterans and currently serving in the military and uh, wear uniforms uh, for local law enforcement, federal law enforcement, you name it. And um, I just, there are no words really that can possibly wrap around what everyone uh, must be feeling. Uh, but just know that um, where words fail, hopefully prayer will will take up the the, the slack and, and wrap around everyone and, and encourage them and heal them. And so we thank you, everyone who does serve, uh, for doing what, what Dan and I haven't done. Um, and we, we really appreciate that. I thought you were going to say something. Well, <laughs> it, you know, it's... It, <laughs> It, it is I'll sad. just keep talking because <coughs> I can talking. do that. <laughs> you, you keep keep talking, Cheryl. I mean, it's sad. I don't know how to respond to that because how? What can what can we say about it? I mean, it's it is extremely um, sad, and you know, I know felt of a lot of officers that you know, even though they didn't know these people, they were their brothers. Absolutely. Well, we do need to wrap up this first segment. And when we come back, we will be talking about that event in Dallas with Joshua Hosinick, a former Marine intelligence analyst and who now spends his life doing security training. So an interesting perspective on on that whole situation. So stick around. We'll be back. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com.
Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by EasyFirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Today, we are talking with a former Marine Intelligence Analyst who now specializes in security training, Joshua Hosinik. After all of the horrible news that was reported about the targeted killings of five Dallas police officers, Joshua posted something that I found interesting and encouraging, actually, about the event and about how the citizens of Dallas handled that situation. And so I reached out to him and I asked him if he'd jump on the the show this week and talk to us a little bit about that Joshua, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Cheryl. Thanks for having me on again. Um, yeah, you know, we saw that the terrible thing that happened in Dallas, and every time one of these shootings occurs, it's it's horrible. It's terrible. And one thing is, all we always hear is, well, had there been armed citizens, it would have been even worse. Mm-hmm. And you know what? There are a bunch of people there who are armed. There are twenty to thirty openly carrying citizens at that protest, and they didn't make it worse. Mm-hmm. Not a single thing that we hear so often came to pass. You know, I I was so encouraged by you saying that because those of us who understand firearms, who carry firearms, who have been trained in firearms, it's almost like, you know, we we expected people to behave the way that they did. And so it it didn't jump to the top of my mind until you pointed it out and I thought, well, of course we do need to talk about this because just like what happened in Orlando with the the um, the nightclub, you know, you hear people going on both sides of it. Well, if there were more people there, then more bloodshed. And the the voice that makes the most sense to me is the people out there that have said, "Look, we have designated drivers that go into clubs, enjoy the evening, dance, everything else, and then safely and responsibly." get in their vehicle and and get everybody home safe what would be so different about having a designated defense person and so then to to see this event in dallas and to see the opportunity for the mayhem that the (coughs) anti-gun crowd always envisions because they don't understand i think it's a lack of of just even knowing 
what those of us who carry guns know, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their their knowledge of firearms oftentimes comes from what they see on television and movies, and they don't really have firsthand experience. They certainly haven't taken it upon themselves to go and get additional training. They don't know what we know, and, and they don't know what information they even lack. And so they have these fantasies. And one fantasy I think that they have all the time tends to be that people carrying a gun are just waiting for that opportunity to rush in and <laughs> try to take down the bad guy. And that's none of our desires. That's not what any of us plan to do. You know, that firearm is there for our final step in defense. It's, it's there when there's no other choice. We want to get away from that just like any sane person would. We don't want to be in a firefight. But when you don't have a choice, when you don't have an option, if you have a firearm with you, you still have an ability to defend yourself. And that's exactly what we saw in Dallas. People moved away. They got away. They got out of the area. They didn't go try to hunt this guy down. And that's exactly what we expected and exactly what they ought to do. Absolutely. Um, so one of the other things that you always hear people say is not only are the armed citizens going to just, you know, unleash a hail of bullets in every direction, but then they're going to start shooting each other because there's confusion. And then the police are going to mistake them for the bad guy. Yeah. And this is one of those things that I've never really understood. You know, it's fairly simple to tell who the bad guys are because they're the ones firing indiscriminately. They're the ones shooting at the women and the children and the people fleeing. And when someone may have a gun on their hip or even a rifle slung across their back and they're leaving with the crowd and they're not harming anybody, that person isn't your concern. The, the person you see who's got the gun who's not hurting anybody isn't the one you're worried about. It's fairly easy to tell who the bad guys are because they're the ones committing these atrocious acts. Absolutely. And so when you are training the people that you have trained, um, do, do you ever directly address this or is it just kind of encapsulated in the, the precepts of, of how you handle a firearm? It's, it's all part and parcel of just general gun ownership and just safety and understanding. You know, you have to have an identified target. You don't just start shooting at every noise you hear or every sound that happens to come around. You've got to have something concrete that you're shooting at. And a bad guy would certainly be that equation. But if you don't see that person, you're not going to go look for them. You're not going to hunt them down and chase them down and look for them. It's when they confront you and you don't have another option. That's when you might use your firearm as a means of defending yourself. It's not out there. None of us are trying to, to be SWAT teams and go looking for trouble. That is so true and such a, a terrible misconception. Um, when we were in D.C. with the D.C. Project, one of the um, senator's aides who was in the that kind of the anti-camp, right, um, they asked the question, why would you prefer to carry concealed rather than open? Right. Well, well, there's definitely some advantages to carrying concealed. For one, nobody else knows you have a firearm, and so you don't have to worry about that person who may have ill intent going, ah, take that one out first. So it gives yourself, you don't put yourself on a high-profile target list. And the other thing is, is should you choose to use your firearm, you know how to access it quickly. And if you choose not to use your firearm and maybe just wait for another opportunity, the bad guy doesn't know you have it. You can still remain just one other member of the crowd rather than being that specific individual who gets targeted right away or, or who may have special attention paid to them in any kind of crisis situation. So carrying concealed gives you options that if you're openly carrying, sometimes get taken away. I agree with that, and I have to believe that if there were that many that were openly carrying, surely there were 
several that were concealed carrying. Uh, certainly, I'm sure that's true. You know, typically uh, open carry tends to be the very small percentage of, of people who carry a gun in general. There's probably five to ten times as many people who carry concealed as who you actually see out in the open. And so, um, you know, in a, a, an event on a day that was just horrible on every conceivable level, there were things that went really right. Yeah, the police responded wonderfully. I mean, they, they had a really terrible situation, but they didn't indiscriminately start shooting citizens who happened to just be carrying a firearm. Uh, the people who were there got out of the way. We saw some amazing things where, where groups of people banded together and actually used their bodies as a shield to protect a, an infant stroller as they evacuated the area. So there were some really great examples of humanity coming together, even in one of the most despicable acts that we've seen in our country. Mm. Oh, I don't think I could have said that any better. And what a picture that paints to, to be shielding a baby's stroller uh, from this, this horrible madman bent on destruction, bent on murder. And the thing I also want to say is that, you know, those of us who are proponents of the Second Amendment, there's the, the media and the politicians out there, they want to make us feel guilty. They want to make us culpable. Of course, they always throw arrows at the, the NRA um, as though they actually, uh, you know, walked over there, encouraged this man and his activities. And what, what do you say to that mindset? Well, you know, the NRA is the only organization that consistently gets blames for the acts of people who are not its own members. <laughs> uh, and it's one of those things that, you know, the NRA... And all the gun rights act organizations, they promote safety, they promote training, they promote responsible gun ownership. And in fact, when you look at the numbers for crimes committed by people with a lawful concealed carry permit, it's actually lower than the number of crimes committed by police officers. Mm -hmm. We're some of the most law-abiding citizens in the country, mm -hmm. and yet we're constantly blamed for the acts of criminals. And so instead, when they've got this example in front of them, so instead of them seeing things the way that you have pointed out, you know, look at this wonderful example of the majority of the people who obviously have firearms, functioning loaded firearms with them. Instead of seeing that is a, a picture of what's really going on in the world, all they want to focus on is the one person who is misusing the tool and misusing his rights. Right. And I think that's just part of confirmation bias. They have an idea, an agenda that's in their head. And when something fits that agenda, it snaps into place and it becomes the focus. Whereas if you have an open mind, you see the entire of the picture. And unfortunately, once, you, once you've closed your mind to different options, it's really difficult to start to see anything else. Mm. Joshua, how, how, how do people follow you? They can find us a couple of different ways. Um, you can always look for by one of my web pages. You can find Armed Defense Instruction on Facebook. Also, the company that I work and train with is Lionheart Security Services. You can find us on Facebook under that name, Oregon Lionheart Security Services.com. Well, Joshua, thank you very much for coming in today. Coming up, do guns belong in schools? We will talk with Rob Morris on the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast, up next, right after this.
Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy, and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, educate, and inform. It's sponsored by AZ Firearms, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. We're about to be joined by Rob Morris, who writes for the Slow Flack, Slow Facts blog, blog site. Man, am I having trouble today? You know, I'm going to blame time. it on the cold. He's a co-host for the Polite Society podcast and the host and creator of the Self Defense Gun Stories podcast. Rob is here to answer the question: Do guns belong in schools? Hey, Rob. Hey Cheryl. Hey Dan. Hi. So, so you're a you're a very educated guy. You're an intelligent guy. You you train people to handle guns safely, and I mean you're just a reasonable person. And yet you're here to to suggest that guns can actually be in schools. Not only be in schools, but train teachers belong in schools. We need them there. Isn't that a, isn't that a strange conclusion? You know what? For you and I, it is so not strange. For you and I, it's almost like a duh, right? It's like, of course, because we don't want to be, uh, or our children, to be sitting ducks. But for people that don't understand firearms, it's it's become shocking to think about. It, it really is. And, and that's, they're telling us what they don't know. Hmm. They don't know that 24% of the armed attacks occur in schools they don't know that we're already fighting for our children when they're in school about 60 percent of the attackers either kill themselves or are stopped by staff before the police get there Hmm. so we're doing the job now let's ask the question do we want school staff to do it with bare hands and at the cost of their lives 
or would we rather train them to protect our children? Well, of course, I would choose, let's train them. I mean, we train for so many other things, uh, and but for some reason, we want to treat teachers like they are, you know, one-dimensional. Like, they live, breathe, like, they never leave right. school, right? Because <laughs> if you see yes, one in the grocery store, it's just all weird. Like, what are you doing here? Don't you live at school? <laughs> But um, but also, like, all they can do is teach the one and only subject that, that we see them teach. Why, why do we look at teachers that way? Well, think of it. All the teachers that are now part of a program put on by Buckeye Firearms, it's called FASTER. Faculty, Administrator, Safety Training, and Emergency Response. Oh, I it's, get it. Some of it's about having a gun to stop an armed attacker. Most of it is about trauma care because the purpose is to save lives. It's not to put guns in school. But I heard this principal from Texas who, who I thought some, he changed my mind. He said, look, every problem that we have outside of school, I deal with children and families. They bring their problems with them. I can't separate those two. They come together. We're dealing with people. And if you study it a little more, you find out that Churches aren't immune. Hospitals aren't immune. All these gun-free zones, these places that we would like to think of as sanctuaries mm -hmm. for education, for faith, for healing, are anything but gun-free. There's violence wherever human beings are. Mm. That is so true. So this Faster Saves Lives program, mm -hmm. how did you get connected with it and, and take the training? Well, before I tell you how, let me explain why they train a teacher. Okay. They go back to their school district. At first, they're a subject matter expert. Thank goodness for school boards who admit they don't know it all. They want their teachers to go take this training, bring them back information. Even before their, the board approves and says, great, you were a concealed carrier. You can uh, now carry in our school the teacher becomes anonymous. Mm -hmm. They become a unnamed defender. So they can't stand up, really. When they talk to the board, it's in closed session because no one wants to be identified as the person in school with a gun. Police, school safety officers do it. We don't really like the teachers to be known. That's why they asked me. I'm not a teacher. I get to talk to you. Right. So, you know, isn't that interesting? Because I, we were just talking with Joshua Husinik, who was talking about what happened in Dallas and how all of these open carry firearms uh, owners that were in the crowd, not one of them did the wrong thing with the firearm, right? right. And there, for everyone that was open carrying, there were probably several that were concealed carrying. Right. And that part of the reason that people choose to conceal carry is because then they can't be identified as the person that the bad guy's going to take out. And that's what you're talking about here, right? It's exactly right. One of the school principals I was training with said, these parents gave me their children. Mm. There's no way in the world I'm going to lock a door and leave them defenseless on the other side. It's not happening. I have to go out there to try and protect them. The question is, will I do it barehanded or will I have the tools? And 
I wish you could have been there. I wish all of your listeners could have been there. These were exactly the sort of people. They were our neighbors. The, everything from um, superintendent of schools to a janitor mm. to a, a, a PE coach to a, a, oh, a music instructor, mm. you know, elementary music. Just the sort of people that you and I want in our schools, teaching our children and protecting our children. Their, their character shown. They're not a bunch of gun competitors. Mm -hmm. And yet, this is what's amazing. In three days of very hard training, they, they beat themselves up. <laughs> I They're, remember you saying they, your hands were bruised up. Oh, yes. And but, what, what is that? Like, what is happening that you're causing, that you're, you're kind of getting so physical that your hands are getting bruised and, and your shins are getting bruised and that sort of thing? We're teaching them to present a firearm very aggressively. Really, we're taking them in a very condensed course that's typically given to the Ohio State Police when they go through the police academy. These teachers have to shoot more shots in their qualifi qualifying exam, and they're allowed fewer misses than the state police. So they clearly exceed the the firearms qualifications uh, necessary to become a state police officer. And in addition, they give them some weapons retention. They actually do force-on-force -force training, but maybe we'll talk about that later. Absolutely. And so the picture that I see developing in my mind as I listen to you is that you and I know, because we, we understand firearms, you train people with firearms, that the purpose of, of having a firearm and using a firearm is in the event that your life is in danger. I mean, it is, it's the last straw, right? The only thing it's good for is stopping a lethal threat to ourselves and those we love. And so these teachers and and janitors and all of the people that, that were there are being given a very real world experience that, you know, it's not like the movies where everything's just all, you know, uh, choreographed for you. Mm -mm. Right? Ah, oh, can we stop right there for a second? Yeah. And Dan, you've, you've, you've seen this before. The hardest thing for them to understand. Remember, they've, all of these people are already licensed concealed carriers. They've had background checks and fingerprints and FBI investigations. But unlike the firing range, they know they're going to sit in class. It's far more likely they're going to need the med kit than the firearm. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. who knows when, five years from now, they'll hear something strange down the hall. Mm. They might hear a scream. They'll pretend it, it's something ordinary, and then this nagging voice will say, no one is going to tell me when I have to go investigate. They'll tell the children to barricade the door. They'll go investigate. It probably will be something innocuous. Somebody knocked over a cart in a hallway. Mm -hmm. Something broke. Mm -hmm. Except maybe it's not. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody thought when we've had these attacks. We excuse the extraordinary as if it's an ordinary sound because we don't want to believe it's happening here. The hardest thing for them to do was to go, that could be real. I need to go investigate and no one will give me permission to act. I have to take initiative. Mm. 
You know, when you said that uh, the teachers have said out loud that they feel the responsibility, they feel that the parents have entrusted the yeah. care of these children yeah. to them for how many hours a day, how many hours a week, right. how many hours a month in the course of a school year, and that the choices that they're given without something like FASTER look something <clears throat> like what you said. You just, you close the door, you shelter in place, and and I guess you pray. Well, I don't think it's they feel like it. They are responsible for our children. From the minute we drop them off or they get on the bus, they are responsible for our children. But the, the level of, of understanding is what I'm hearing, that, mm -hmm. that they take it that seriously. And so without this training, Rob, what, what are they left with? Um, books, hiding, trying to send children out windows. They're left to be victims. Uh, it was fascinating to hear, to hear people who used to be, you know, air marshals, very, very dedicated, very uh, hard, aggressive firearms instructors who would say one of the first victims during the Shan Sandy Hook murder were the principal and a guidance counselor who wanted to stop the attack. They moved toward the gunfire and attacked the murderer with their bare hands and were killed. Mm. That's what we've left them with. We've left them with their bare hands. They're supposed to barricade doors because in many cases they haven't even, some school districts haven't even put in good locking or blocking mechanisms for the door. When we went through our high school in the neighborhood, they showed us how they can, in fact, barricade the door so it can't be opened. Um, but we we disarmed them. We told them, "Hi, our kids are your responsibility. Now throw your life in front of a, a murderer because we won't let you have the tools you need." And how extra gut wrenching that is for people who, because teachers aren't one dimensional, people who have right. trained themselves, who are concealed carry holders, and they know mm -hmm. that if they were just on the other side of that sidewalk. Right, this magic dome that yeah. that comes over a, a supposed gun-free zone like a school. If they were just on the other side of that sidewalk, and they encountered this threat, this person, that they would have the full ability, training, and rights to stop the threat. And yet, well, it's go ahead. Let's let's talk about that. See, because faster was sort of a poorly kept secret. Well, we agree the teachers couldn't talk about that, but no school district wanted to be the go first. Right. Now a school representative. It's not always a teacher. We'll call them teachers. You know what, Rob? Let attended, me let me have you pause right break? there. Let's run to a commercial. Will you hang over with us? Oh sure. This Absolutely. Is Let's pick up right where you left off. And we will come back with more with Rob Morse about Faster Saves Lives. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. 
And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Pot of Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at potofgoldestate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Cogger sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. If you have missed any portion of today's show, please be sure to go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com, and choose the On Demand tab. You will find today's show and every show that we have ever done, uh, the recording of it right there, and uh, all of the guests that we've had on. If you click on the guest tab, you'll be able to see uh, bios on them, links that take you to articles they've written or media they've done or their own website, that sort of thing. And uh, the guest we are talking with right now, we want to get right back to Rob Morse. Uh, He writes for his own blog site called Slow Facts. He also co-hosts the Polite Society podcast, and he is the host and creator of the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. And what we're talking about with you today, Rob, are you still there? I still am. Thank you for holding through the commercial. Is It kind of goes in line with your Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Uh, it's a program called Faster Saves Lives, and it actually trains teachers how to be first responders on the scene of a, a school attack. Now, in past years, I don't know that that would have been a shocking thing, but for some reason, in the year 2016, this seems to be, um, you know, controversial. It was. I mean, think of the one-room schoolhouse. The teacher had to do everything. Mm-hmm. We've professionalized teachers to the point that we don't think they can do anything except grade papers. <laughs> But we've run about 600 instructors through the FASTER program. They've already accumulated several thousand man years of experience of being armed in Ohio schools, public schools, private schools, both. So we know what happens. People say, oh, couldn't, you know, the gun go off? No, we don't see it. Mm-hmm. We've waited a thousand, couple thousand man years, didn't see the problem. Hmm. Nice. I like that, that, you know, it's it's a proven system already. And that, uh, is it just for the schools in Ohio? We're seeing teachers being sent from out of state to come investigate the program. They're a model program. 
I would say they're leading the way, and they've really stolen the best materials from all across the country on how to do this. At first, it was a well-kept secret. No school district wanted to go first. This summer, for the first time, they have more requests for training than they have funds to donate. It's a, it's a private organization that pray, pays for the training, and they're running dry of funds. After, after 600 in, uh, students going through the class, all of a sudden they had a few people They said, we'd like to, we have to slow down our class schedule. I understand the economy is bad, but if you and I think freedom works, then we need to pay for this. I've donated. I want other people to go to Buckeye Firearms Foundation. Go look at the faster class right there. There's a PayPal link. I don't know. What's what's a a, a gourmet coffee cost? Four How or five bucks. Donate that. Yeah. yeah. Or or if you're a, a already a firearms <clears throat> owner, a box of ammo. Mm-hmm. Twenty bucks. Thirty. Yeah. I don't know, Dan. What are we? Yeah. <laughs> the ammo's gotten expensive. <laughs> Not like coffee. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Rob. So, are there schools that are doing this program actually having teachers carry guns in schools now? Hundreds. Hundreds of them. You know, I, I was just. I haven't been able to talk much. I've been coughing, and I'm sorry about that. But oh, we, we, um, you know, I, I look back and say, if I had a seven-year-old going to school right now, would I want the teacher to be a trained firearms carry person, or would I want them to be uh, no guns? And I definitely would go for the trained uh, teacher. I mean, nine one one doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't we love it if? If we can't get to a point where all of the schools across the nation have taken the faster uh, training course, that the bad guys have to guess which ones do and which ones don't, that right there might be a deterrent. What do you think, Rob? It's, it's proven to be a deterrent. But before we go there, let's talk about the trauma care part of this. Oh, absolutely. In Sandy Hook, the attack in the Connecticut school, it took 45 minutes for the EMTs to get on scene. Mm. You have minutes to stop bleeding. Seconds, really. You have minutes to restore breathing. That's on an adult. Children feed even faster. These teachers are there. It was amazing to have the EMTs talk to us and go, look, you're, you're treating it very nice. You're treating it like we would if I was in an ambulance. Mm-hmm. This has got to be down and dirty. Mm. You, have, you have to stop bleeding and go on and help the next person. Amazing. Just I, it's re, you know where we learned some of these techniques though is from uh, combat trauma care overseas in the sandbox. So we've changed the tools that we use just in the last ten years. Hmm. So you you already have training. You are a trainer of others, and yet yeah. you came through this and feel like even you learned something, right? You and I always talk about if we hear a boom in the house, we hear glass breaking, we're going to take our family, we're going to retreat to a back room, we're going to call the police. Ideally, they get there, solve the whole problem. They say, okay, we'd like you to put your gun away and come out of your uh, back room and you and the whole family, you know, come up, come out showing your hands. Mm-hmm. That's best practice at home. Sometimes you're not allowed to do that. There's someone in the house, uh, a criminal might enter your, your sanctuary there. Teachers don't have that option. Hmm. In no way. If someone's attacking, they're, 
I call them their children. I'm talking like they spoke to me. Someone's attacking their children on the other side of the door. They have to go forward and be aggressive. The sooner they can stop the killing, the more lives they can save. Hmm. And just a very different mindset. They are defenders in a very different way than a homeowner defends his family locked in his bedroom. Right. And we also have to be aware that learning this first aid care is that an officer, I mean, a EMT cannot go into a scene until the officer's cleared. That's so right. So in the meantime, we've got people bleeding and stuff, but the officers have to clear the area first. Right. So you could be there saving people's lives by taking this training. It, even even before the board of uh, the school board finally <laughs> says yes, you took the class, we approve. Those teachers are going to walk back into that school with a couple hundred dollar trauma kit. When they get several teachers uh, trained, they have a pretty thorough uh, crash kit. The course I took is the first of three levels of training for first aid that they'll go on, and that's a lot of the advanced care. So that that last kit costs several hundred dollars, mm. and it's invaluable because seconds count. Seconds definitely count. So um, let's talk a little bit about how people could, again, find out more about this and then talk to their individual school board about it or how they can uh, reach out to FASTER and, and lend support of any kind. Uh, tell us a website. Tell us what the steps might be. Right. BuckeyeFirearmsFoundation.org. Or um, they have donations there. They're a wealth of material. They have a, a place to click if you're a teacher or a member of the school board and want more information. They'd be glad to talk to you. And they answer calls. They've testified in state legislative bodies at school board meetings all across the country. They're there for us. I absolutely love that. And, you know, again, I don't want people to hear what we're not saying. If, if a teacher's <laughs> listening right now and they're saying, well, I, I absolutely, I've never touched a gun. I don't want any part of a gun. I don't think that it's ever going to be a requirement. And it's certainly not a requirement right now uh, that all teachers would have to be armed. Oh, oh, no, no, no. This training is first offered to concealed carriers Later, in some of the advanced courses, school districts that have more fully embraced them, they're actually having extra staff who they go, okay, we've got five, six people trained as long as you work out that some of you are carrying, you know, okay, classic example. One of the, one of the teachers that we talked to there was a PE teacher. Because swimming class is not really going to work for me. And you go, yep, it's not. Um, <laughs> It's, uh, it doesn't doesn't work with the holster. Okay, they <laughs> always bring that trauma training. You can't take that from them. And in fact, as, as you may well know, uh, that's we're far more likely to need that. Maybe in the parking lot, the shop class, the athletic field, could be anywhere. Mm -hmm. But that's always there for them. Mm -hmm. I think this is a tremendous program. And uh, then before we run away, I definitely want people to learn more about you, the voice that we're hearing, Mr. Rob Morse. Um, tell us how your um, self-defense uh, podcast is coming along. Oh, yes, that's fun. You do it. You're, you're 
uh, armed civilian stories that you put at the end of every gun freedom radio pro uh, program. I wanted to be able to talk about those stories in depth. So I went and got eight firearms instructors. I use a different one every week. We take events from the news and we go, wow, I don't know that I could do that. Well, this is the training you'd need to defend yourself the way the person in the news did. We just had a grandma and uh, in, in one story and in the next story we had a security guard who's off duty. They're only about 12 to 14 minutes long usually. Uh, I call them the snack food of self-defense <laughs> podcasts. Well, I like that you you kind of Monday morning quarterback it. You go in and you say, all right, so here is what was reported. So we only know that much about it. But based on that, here's how it breaks down. Here's what they did well. Here's what they could have done better. And, and I encourage everybody to definitely check those out. You're on episode number what now? About 12? 21. 21. I transposed my numbers. 21. I love it. So check them out at, give the website, and we have to run. Selfdefensegunstories.com. Excellent. And then your blog site? Slowfacts.wordpress.com. Perfect. Hey, Rob, thank you so much for coming and sharing all of this with us today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Thank Cheryl. you. Bye-bye. All right. Well, stick around because coming up in our second hour, we are going to be speaking with Dr. Kelly Ward. She's a former Arizona state senator and currently running for the U.S. Arizona Senate seat against the incumbent, John McCain. And she has some really big news to share with us. Stick around and find out what that is after this. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun? Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Um... 